Hello and welcome to the Meta Podcast. A podcast dedicated to bringing you live recordings from Meta events covering a wide range of multidisciplinary topics converging at the intersection of innovation in the African continent. This episode is brought to you by Hivos East Africa, a humanist organization that strives for a free, fair and sustainable world. In this edition of the Women in series, we discussed a couple of topics around design, from challenging the idea of specialism in design, the need for designers to be entrepreneurial, challenges and opportunities for the digital age, and the importance of personal development. We hope you enjoy this episode. The speakers include Wamuyu Ndegwa, founder at Tira Studio, Ruth Lele, the founder at Whitepool Company, Wangare Kamau, founder at Umba Creations. The conversation was then moderated by Lulu Kitolo, founder at Lulu Kitolo Studio. About the Women in Series, most thought leadership conversations have been plagued by men. The Women in Series challenges the status quo by providing a platform for women to talk about their experiences and celebrate the great strides that have been made by women over the years. Past events include women in leadership, social impact, technology, energy, talent, entertainment, among many others. Hi everyone. Thank you so much for joining us today. I'm really looking forward to our discussion. So my name is Lulu Kitololo. I'm going to be moderating this panel today. I am a communications designer by training. Um I've worked in advertising and for the past 10 plus years I've been running a design studio mainly doing graphic design and illustration among some other things but I won't get into it. So um if we think about almost everything we see, touch and use, everything has been designed whether by another person, by a greater force, by nature and even um by yourself, you know, we design processes and the way that we live our lives. I think all of you ladies really challenge this idea of specialism where you study something, you train in training it for years and do that one thing forever and ever. I would love it share a short summary of your journey to where you are now um so that we can all understand, you know, where you're coming from and your perspective. So um I I'll start with Ramoyu if you don't mind. Hi everyone. My name is Vomoyo. I'm a trained interior designer. I have a degree in interior design, but um I currently identify as an entrepreneur because um most of what my daily job involves is running a business. And so my journey so far has been I worked as an interior design employed and um as I was transitioning through jobs, I I found myself um without employment and I had to figure out what to do um so in that period of time i i knew i loved making furniture and i loved the process of selecting furniture even when i was an interior designer so it came naturally to me that this is the one thing that i would love to do um so i tried to figure out what other what are the furniture pieces that as an interior designer i'd love to see more of so that's where my journey began um so at the moment i think i identify more as an entrepreneur as opposed to a designer um so that's like the brief summary of where my journey has come from and where i am right now so if i can move over to um ruth hi everyone thank you for joining this conversation my name is ruth lele uh so my journey to where i am now i'm an architect after high school i studied architecture 
Um, I have my license, but I practiced for around two years, two and a half years. And I was in between jobs and I was trying to figure out whether I should go into another job or start something of my own. And like Lulu introduced, I've always loved working with my hands and I've always had a love for leather. So I decided it was time to try and see what I could do. And with that and merge my background in design and in architecture and interiors and transfer those skills into products that I had not seen people do with leather here locally. So that's how White Bull was born and that's how I'm here now. Thank you very much, Ruth. Um, and it's interesting. So both you and Wamoyu sort of created um, your businesses out of a need to pursue employment opportunities that maybe you weren't given. And I think as designers, yes, we are able to create those opportunities for ourselves. And yeah, we're going to dig more into that. Thank you. Um, and then I will move over to Wangari, please. Um, thanks so much, Lulu, for that introduction. As as you said, um, I founded Umba Creations about slightly over two years old. And my background really is in interdisciplinary design. So I studied interior and product design. Um, but then I sort of did practice in that space for very many years. I found myself um, working for corporates for over 15 years. And really, um, a transition is what sort of caused me, pushed me into the direction that I am in now. And really, it was based on two things, uh, a family relocation to South Africa and my son's study bear. So at the end of, um, towards the end of 2012, my family and I then moved to South Africa because of my husband's job. And then a couple of months into uh, the relocation, I had to resign from Oracle, where I'd been working in the marketing department for quite a few and then it was at the time that I resigned that I then went on a journey to rediscover just myself. I knew that um, I wanted to use my hands. The thing is, I just didn't know what. And so during this um, journey of self-rediscovery, I came across crochet and then I knew that this is exactly what I wanted to do. I wanted to just use my hands to make toys that will make a difference um, in the lives of children. And I mentioned that, that my, um, my, my journey was as a result of two things. The, the second thing was um, my son's teddy bear. And when I realized the fact that um, we didn't have a lot of handmade toys, I felt that using my crochet skills, that's what I wanted to do too, to make toys that sort of speak and add value into the lives of children. Um, and so I just felt that sometimes, you know, you, you take a while to get where it is that you're going. And, you know, there's always that nudging feeling inside of you pushing and steering you towards, you know, sort of like your, your, the direction that you should be in. And for me, the whole time I was at, um, I was working for all these corporates, I always felt the need to want to create. And I, I think the push, the move to South Africa really set me on, onto that journey. So, yeah, that's, that's really my story. Thank you so much, Rangari. I love that uh, your son's teddy bear was part of the inspiration. So let's talk more about um, this idea of moving away from design as usual, design business as usual. I think all of us in the panel, you know, trained in design disciplines that are very much about addressing specific briefs that are often brought to us by other people. 
you know, it's true of architecture, it's true of interior design, and of my discipline too in communications design. However, th these days as designers, we don't have to wait for clients to bring us those design problems. And many of us are selecting problems that we want to solve um, for ourselves or for our communities and developing a way to make a living out of that by creating business ventures. So I'd love for you to talk a little bit more. I know some of you already touched on that, but I would love to for you to talk a bit more about in what ways this has been your experience. We can start with Mamoyo. For me, I think what has been clear for me is... Um, the idea of making interior design accessible by creating products that sort of give you, I'd say, a head start. So I feel like if you have a room with white walls and you have the right furniture, you're already on your way to a good, well-designed home. That's where my problem solving as a designer comes in. So I try to create products that are functional, the things that you need, but also make your house feel beautiful and you want to come home to that space. And also the other thing that I, I noticed is there wasn't enough good quality locally produced furniture. And that's something that we're still working towards and making sure that it's also sustainably done. Um, so Tira Studio only used sustainably sourced wood. Um, so we're being also conscious about the environment and the future and trying to put all those things together into a package that um, is Tira Studios. So for me, that's that's a problem that I feel I'm addressing. Love that. Thank you so much, Ramoyo. And um, Wangare, you, you also are really con concerned with impact behind your work. And perhaps you can talk a little bit about that as you talk about this question of how you are, you know, you've chosen a, a problem to, to solve. Yeah, okay. So my business really is truly based around the model of identifying a problem and then developing a solution. And it really started due to my own experience. I love gifting. And then on top of that, I love giving something that has meaning, something that um, has a story behind it. And I felt that there were many other people out there like me. And so I saw this gap in the children's space where I felt that um, there was a need to provide products that hold value and pass on this core messaging, which really forms the foundation of, of every human being. So I saw an opportunity to do this through the toys and games whereby you are sort of killing two birds with one stone and really imparting values, but still you have fun whilst you're doing that. And then one of the other challenges that we, we have also been facing today is the amount of time that we spend on social media. You know, we launched the Rafiki Values um, Try Playing Cards and Puzzles to try and just create pockets of time away from the screen pockets of time where children and families can really be engaged creatively and just um, spend more time yeah, bonding together. So that's sort of the way I'm looking at it in terms of, of, um, of solving the problems that we are facing. So I really love that Wangari and how, um, you know, through your physical products, you are also solving a, a social problem, you know, and that's what I love about the power of design. It, it's not just about function. It, it goes deeper than that. Um, so thank you so much for sharing. And going back to something one more that you mentioned, and you know, it made me think this idea of democratizing design good design you know has had this identity as needing to be expensive or you know only for certain kinds of people and you know i think 
a lot of you are democratizing design and Ruth, I'm going to move on to you here because I think you're doing this so well because you're, you're creating really beautiful, very functional products at a, at a rate that is so affordable for many, so accessible. Um, so you're helping more people to kind of invite good design into their homes, into their spaces. So yes, I would love for you to answer the question around, you know, how, um, rather than us waiting for that architecture brief in your in your case, you know, um, yeah, how you've just taken this this idea and run with it as a business. When I started the business, I was really intentional about um, the price point for our items because I really wanted everyone to have something beautiful in their home. So, and the problems we choose to solve are every simple everyday problems. Um, it's based on everyday lifestyle. Like you wake up, um, you want to brush your teeth. Where where are you putting your toothbrush? In the bathroom, you know. Um, storage is a big one. And one of, in fact, one of our best sellers is our, our shelves. For those who don't know, it's a piece of wood suspended on two leather straps. And it's such a simple design, but it solves so many problems because it gives you additional storage space it's not bulky, um, the way we've designed it, you can do it at a price point that many people are comfortable purchasing. Um, it's easily movable for people who live in gentles and need to move yeah, from time to time. So it's just seeing how we live our lives every day and seeing um, the materials we use and how we can make that more pleasant and more effective for people. So I would love to hear from you all, you know, how COVID has impacted you, you know, if you've had to shift your thinking and in what ways um, maybe you've had to adjust or pivot your practice or even your process. Um, what new skills you've had to learn and, you know, importantly also what new mindsets you might have had to adopt. So I know that's a bunch of questions, but I would love for you um, to each touch on, you know, what has been relevant for you in this particular season. Um, and we can start with Wangari, we can mix things up. <laughs> okay, so um, I think as a woman in design, you just always have to have like a a growth mindset and not a fixed one. And for me, I'm always learning and trying to adapt. And during this season, I really had to go back to the drawing board on, on our product offering to just review our production capacity and, and our product offering, as well as I've had to review on what we can outsource so that, so that I'm able to free up my time to just design and to, to create um, found that many times we tend to look at what we don't have as opposed to what we have. So it's been a time of looking at what, you know, sort of laying the cards out on the table, seeing what I have and seeing how I can improve on, on my current products. It's also been a, a season of um, exploring collaborations with, with other like-minded people and also being constantly aware, maybe something that I was sort of maybe overlooking a little bit before, but now being constantly aware of what is trending, for instance, in pop culture and seeing how do I position myself quickly and also adopt, but still remaining authentic to myself and not losing my voice. And I'll give an example of how around, you know, around June, June, July, August time, Black Lives was really, really trending. And a lot of people were sharing on the need to, to create um, 
um, diversity windows and, and glimpses into that look into how other people um, live their lives. And so I had to go back and, 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 and review, you know, our products and, and, and see, you know, how are we positioning ourselves to sort of be aligned with what's happening in, 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 in the society. And it's interesting that during this time, because we had a lot of sales, we made a lot of doll sales, it then made me go back and review how are we um, representing ourselves when it comes to diversity and representation. Yes, and then another thing that I've had to really learn is just calling forth on skills that have been lying dormant within me. For instance, I reignited my doodling skills, you know, because we've had a lot of time in the house. So for me, I then looked within and, you know, to see what what do I have within that I'm not really used to. For me, this, I reignited my doodling skills and this birthed a new doll, which we launched like about a month ago. And yeah, so I just really found that these challenging situations are actually opportunities to position us to the next level. And that in the midst of challenging situations, I guess this always an opportunity to look for the silver lining. Yeah. Uh, thank you so much for sharing all of that. And I totally agree. I think this season has forced a lot of us to reflect and really like dig deep within ourselves. So if, if I can move on to Lele, um, if you can share with us how this season um, has, has affected you um, and how you've, you've moved through this season. Um, I think one thing I've really learned this season is to leverage your network. Just taking advantage of previous relationships, be it customer relationships or relationships with marketing um, individuals, because that's one thing that we've noticed has really taken us through this time. So, for example, to just at the onset of COVID around, it was around, I believe it was around me, we did quite a few giveaways, we partnered with a couple of influencers. So using those relationships, we were able to still grow and keep the business um, running and sustainable. And also, you realize, we came to realize that a lot of our business is also through referrals. So making sure that your personal relationship with your customers is um, strong, so that, and that, that sustains you. Um, I think also being entrepreneurial means also letting go of things that are not working. And that's a lesson that we've got to learn during COVID because I think as designers, sometimes you get very connected to what you're doing. And at some point, you just have to realize you need to let some things go. So that's a lesson we've also learned during the time. Thanks so much for sharing, Lele. Wamoyu, I know with your work, um, you know, often you're dealing with huge pieces um so obviously you have a big workshop um you know compared to those of us who can work from our bedrooms if we want you know um and of course you have a team and you know those are the things that this season has really challenged you know people coming together um and and 
you know, working in a space. So um, I would love to hear what your experience has been and how you've navigated through things. Um, I think the wake of COVID was, it was like a wake up call for us. But what really um, was beautiful for us is clients immediately started reaching out, like, I hope you guys are okay. Let us know if there's anything we can do. So the first thing we did is we tried to make sure that our three most important relationships were okay. So the first um, relationship was now our staff. Um, for me, that was the most difficult part because I think it hadn't hit me up to that point, the weight of responsibility I have to make sure that everyone is okay. And it was it was um, a period where everyone is like, maybe we won't have work tomorrow. And for them, it's it's just as simple as maybe I don't have work. But for me, it's I have to make sure all the people who are here and their families are taken care of. So um, that made me really um, start thinking about like how can I create a welfare that allows my people to be able to, in case anything like this un uncertain was to ever happen, how would I make sure that their needs are taken care of? So we've started establishing a staff welfare so that if anybody was to ever be in a situation where there's a need or something uncertain happens, then we're able to take care of them. And what we did for a, a bit of time is, even if we, we reduced the salaries of everyone, um, but what we did is we, we started giving them care packages so that even if your salary has reduced and you know that your, your meals and your, and your shopping and whatever else is taken care of. And then for the clients is we've been really intentional about creating a good experience for our clients and really leveraging on, like Ruth was saying, the connections that you already have and the relationships that we've had. So just because of how most of our clients were very concerned about how our business is doing we're very intentional about now going forward how we relate to our clients and making sure that we're actually creating relationships as opposed to just selling furniture and then again with the suppliers is just having conversations with them and trying to balance off each other and trying to see how can we make sure that we are paying them in in time but also like how are we helping each other to make sure that um, we're also like not hurting the business by taking too long to pay. So just trying to make sure that the three elements that make sure that our business keeps going are really taken care of. And I think the most important thing has been just to humanize the entire process and to remember that everyone is just in this whole process together. So that has made us being very intentional about like connecting with the actual humans that are in the entire process. Thank you so much for sharing that. Um, and I love, I love, yeah, how you broke down these three key relationships, which yeah, I think are the same for all of us. You know, when we think of the traditional ways of getting clients or getting new business um, or marketing and how much those have changed from even 10 years ago, even probably even five years ago, um, and how much the digital um, age has influenced that. I would love to hear from you all how this new reality and this tool we have of technology, digital technology, um, what challenges, if any, has it has it come with? But then also, in what ways has it worked in your favor? Um, and perhaps we can start with um, Ruth for this one. What we all do is very visual to begin with. 
someone sees something and then that's when they can begin to buy into it. So we knew that from the very onset, we need to be on a very visual, um, how we portray ourselves, we need to be very visually pleasing. So that's even why we really strategically chose Instagram as our, one of our main social media uh, platforms to engage and reach out to new customers and then keep engaging the old customers. For us, it's really been amazing. It's hard to imagine that this is something that did not exist a few years ago. Um, it's made it so much easier to put yourself out there, um, to share your work, to market with it, to align strategically with people who understand your brand and buy into your brand and speak out for you, give you the reviews. But another important thing I see is once you get those uh, new customers from whatever media channels you're using, retaining the customers and giving them an experience such that now it becomes almost 50-50 referrals, people by word of mouth are referring you to their friends, their family as, as, as you continue pursuing new customers yeah, through your social media channels. So it's, it's really been amazing. I want to move on to Wangari because something I've noticed you really leveraging as well is the opportunity to tell stories um, through that digital space. So I'd love for you to talk about um, how the digital space has worked in your favor and, and, and any challenges, but also how you really have embraced it as a platform for storytelling. Yeah. All right. So I guess, you know, as, as everyone, as you said, as you say, this this season has really been a test on us and we've had to dig deep within. And as I mentioned earlier, I've had to look and see, you know, what have I got within me and how can I leverage on that? And so I realized from the storytelling aspect, I realized that I love telling stories. I love something probably I was ignoring um, prior, but I, I know that I can be a bit dramatic when I'm, I'm talking to offsite, um, when I'm talking to my friends and my kids. And so I figured that because I love doing this, why can I not then extend that? And that could be a part of, you know, the way I'm positioning um, um, my products. And um, so I've started testing on this and I'm, I'm finding that I'm actually quite enjoying it. And as I mentioned earlier, we realized that we had certain dormant skills that have been lying within us and and this season has really been a, a time of unearthing because you know it's becoming more and more difficult to just sort of be found online to, you know it's, it's more difficult to be visible now because we are um, competing on a, on a global scale with so many businesses from across the world it's like everyone now has has, has gone online and so for, for for me this has been a time of of seeing what do I have within me? Can I also um, 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 can I also get help from from experts? You know, people who know how this whole how to navigate the digital sphere. Try and understand how does, for instance, um, such engine optimization work? How how do these social media algorithms work? Just so that you can. Um, figure out how can you be found? What are people looking for? So it's been a, a season of learning. It's you, You've been tested because you remember you're competing with billions of businesses out there on, on the web. So I, I think at one point I got to the, to the stage of 
am I going to create or am I going to figure out this whole digital space? And so, you know, sometimes you can get quite stressed out because you, you want to create, but you've also got this other side where you, you have to become visible. And, and for me, I'm a, a small business. I'm doing the marketing myself, but then it's also been a time of, of letting go. Someone mentioned about letting go and realizing that I'm not an expert in, in, in the digital sphere. I need to get help. And so it's been a time of seeking for help. It's also been a time of learning and, and trying to understand how everything works on, on, in the digital space. Yeah. Um, so I'll move on to you, Amoyo. And something that I really love when I see you on the digital space, and it's, it's, it's down to what both Ruth and Wangari have, have mentioned about the importance of showing up. Um, and, you know, Wamoyu, you take us into the studio and, you know, it's a furniture studio. It's, it's real and it's, um, you know, you take us really into the process. And I think that's also really important for us as consumers and, you know, in terms of us developing that emotional connection with your brand and, and you know, being invested in the process in your, in your team, in your business. So, yes, I'll move on to you and just hear, you know, what the, the, the highs and, and, and maybe any challenges that you've had with um, things being so digital. I think I personally don't think um, if this business was established in an age that wasn't digital, I don't think we'd have survived. <laughs> I think the it's it's quite fascinating how um, most, if not all, of our clients are fully digital. I I think I've met like five percent of our clients. Um, most of the people are just completely online so it's it's quite fascinating to be honest but i think the when one of the things that i really like about what you said and i learned that from you is the idea of storytelling and the idea of letting people into the background process and just um creating an authentic um an authentic journey um, because um, the pressure in the digital world is you have to show like this perfection and you have to, you want to show the peace in the perfect spot, in the perfect place. Um, and that's not the reality that I'm, I'm, I'm working with. I work in a workshop on Gong Road. It's messy, it's chaotic, but then we're able to create beautiful things out of that whole process. So I think the, I, the pressure of the digital world that everything needs to be well curated and perfect and we have to create a picture of what we are not is is what we are challenging but what i really appreciate is how completely digital the business is it just fascinates me that we don't actually meet most of our clients i think that's something that i still haven't been able to get over Um, and, and just how beautiful it is that people who have not met you are able to relate with your brand and trust you with their money and just allow, allow you to create things for them. Um, I think that's the beauty of the digital world and the current uh, place that we're in at the moment. That's so true. And it kind of almost goes against your training, right? Because it's all about yes. getting to know the client, really understand, you know, like a lot of kind of one-to-one interaction with them. And now um, that's, that doesn't have to be the case. As entrepreneurs, you know, what personal skills have you had to grow in order to successfully run and grow your business? Um, I can start with you, Ruth. Um, I think a big one for me is soft skills and people skills. Just being, um, building relationships 
um, with the suppliers, with um, the carpenters, with the, your employees, people you work with, um, building the relationships with your clients. That's a really big one to keep the business sustained. And then I think another one is also listening to your intuition more and listening to your gut. I think that's a skill I've had to learn um, that kept the business going. I love that. I love, and, and can I just say, um, as an aside, I love when we have discussions with women and just how we get into things which, you know, traditionally in a, in a business context, you don't talk about like intuition and, you know, listening to your gut. And yes, this is real. And thank you so much yeah. for sharing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, if I can move on to one more. Yeah, just to reiterate on what Ruth said, I think listening to your gut um, is is so, so important. Um, and, you know, every time you don't, there's something that teaches you that lesson one more time. But I think that's a, it's an important business skill. But the other thing I've also had yeah. to learn is leadership skills and just how to, especially like with COVID, just how to remain calm and and optimistic in the face of uncertainty. That's that's not me at all, but that's something that I've completely had to learn. And just the idea that you need to have a direction or a clear picture of what it is that you're trying to achieve so that everybody on your team is also with you. That's also something that I've, I've also had to learn. And just being resilient because running a business is just not easy. So being able to be resilient and show up every day regardless of what is happening is, is has been also a big thing for me that I've had to learn. I love that. Yes. And you make a really good point about, you know, we are the ones who, you know, create and hold the vision. And it's so important for your team for, for you to be able to do that. Um, I will move on to Angari, please. Okay. Just like Ruth had to avoid, it seems like that sort of, listening to your gut is a, is a common thread. And for me, it's just creating pockets of quality time and quiet time for myself, journaling my feelings. And, um, and then also referring back to probably stuff I had, I had written maybe years ago, because sometimes the aha moments are found in things that you had written two, three years ago. And I'm always also looking for ways to improve my creative skills. So at the end of the year, I'm not where I was at the beginning of the year. So I'm always looking for online courses. And luckily now with the the with with social media and and all, there's a lot of free courses that you can also find online. I, I listen to a lot of podcasts. I also love reading books on entrepreneurship and just listening to learning about people's entrepreneurial journeys and how. Um, brands are born and built and and some of my best reads I would say would be like Phil Knight's Shoe Dog, um, books by Richard Branson or um, you know I love like Essentialism that I read I think earlier this year and even people like Seth Godin you know there's a book um, The Purple Cow and Lichpin and then right now I'm reading um, Everything is Figureoutable and it's an amazing book that that I think everyone should read so a book like that has kept me going, especially in this season where I sometimes feel like giving up. But then another thing that I wanted to point out that has been extremely key um, to my personal growth is having um, a business accountability body where, where we check on each other, share our plans, 
we we challenge each other we share our joys and and just really pass on wisdom nuggets that um that help us spur each other on and and i found this to really be an invaluable part of my growth yeah I love that. Um all of those points. I hope everyone is taking notes because there's so many gems in this discussion. And um Wangari, you've kind of preempted my final question for all of the panelists and it was to impart words of wisdom and and you know lessons that you've learned and you know for everyone who's listening who's maybe considering a career in design or is already you know practicing and just want some some words of encouragement what one piece if you had one piece of advice that you wish you knew that you wish somebody had told you when you were starting out in your journey what would that be and um yes we can start with one more um i think uh what i wish someone had told me from the very beginning is to solve the day's problem like don't don't worry about whatever problems are going to come tomorrow just solve what is in front of you in that moment and then move on to the next day just taking every day at a time but also just the idea that you accepting the the process and being authentic about the space where you are so if you're a small business um be okay with being a small business and do your best as that small business don't give yourself pressure to be something that you haven't arrived at yet so just the idea of being comfortable with where your journey is and just taking every day uh every day at a time and solving the day's problems as they come i love that thank you amoyo um if i can go to ruth one thing a day is just put yourself out there um and i think that one thing i a friend of mine kind of forced me to do because i had been sitting on my idea for a couple of months before i actually put it out there but there's no way to know if it will work if you don't put it out there so just be brave and put it out there even if sometimes you're quite critical of yourself for the idea but putting it out there is an essential part of everything and build it up from there get the feedback you need and keep growing and get better. I love that. And it's scary. It's not easy. <laughs> But it's so necessary. It and I yeah. feel like the sooner you put it out there, you'll know if it's going to work, if you need to tweak it. Um and it's never it's it's never a fail. It's just, you know, if 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 things don't go how you expect them, you get feedback and you go do yeah. it again. Put yourself out there and yes, I love that. Thank you for yeah. sharing. Um and last but not least Wangari. Okay, I think it comes from reading this book Everything is figured out. Well, and I would just say that that everything can be figured out. And so many times we encounter challenges um along the way and sometimes we end up feeling stuck. And the thing is to find a way to navigate around these challenges and these hurdles and to keep moving and be ready to readjust and to recalibrate if need be and that um we need to ensure that even as we do that that we are maintaining authenticity and not losing our voice and that each one of us has been given a voice to speak into a certain area that um each one of us has something that is unique about us and that's really where our power lies we shouldn't try to be um like someone else we should um hold on to that thing that sets us apart and just go out there and just be you yeah don't try and do someone else just do you 
For more of these episodes, you can subscribe to our podcast channel on Google Podcast, Apple Podcast, Spotify, or your favorite podcast platform of your choice. To stay in touch with us, follow us on Twitter and Facebook at WeAreMetaNBO or email us at Nairobi at Meta.co. Until next time, thanks for listening.